Okay, welcome back to Mon Men. I am Yanata Blue here once again with Michael Darling, as always, and joining us today live from New York, a writer you might have seen in Vice and The Mary Sue, among many other publications. It's Christy Admiral. Hi, how's it going? Good, good. You are our first transcontinental guest, so congratulations. I know, I feel really special, and I'm apparently slightly less special than Michael's brother, apparently, which makes me feel great. How only slightly less special than Michael's brother? I mean, he lives here. He he works in this building. Oh, really? I yeah. was tailing after him, so I assumed you were kind of doing it in order of who you prefer <laughs> as a person. Oh no no no! In the in the in that episode, we openly he openly agreed to be the Tony Randall emergency guest for our show. So, <laughs> so I'm looking forward to their to us circling back on that bit somewhere down the line. I hope like a year from now, we just have him show up for the last three segments of an episode <laughs> inexplicably, and we don't explain it or anything like that. Oh, well, I look forward to that. I'm sure he'll be available. But yeah, Christy, uh, tell us a little bit about your experience with Pokemon. Um, the the answers on this show, just to warn you, have ranged from pure expert, like Professor Oak level expert, to true Professor Oak level of not knowing anything about Pokemon. <laughs> are you a boy or are you a girl? Okay, so I would say I fall somewhere closer to novice than expert. My first exposure to Pokemon was uh, the uh, Pokemon Pikachu Tamagotchi style thing that people had on the playground. Oh, wow. Do, do you recall this? Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, yeah I remember yeah. that thing. Yeah, you could get so you could get it. Uh, it was basically a Tamagotchi, but it looked like Pikachu, so it was slightly cuter, and it was extremely popular. It was shaped like a Pokeball? School. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I did not have one. But, uh, <laughs> so my first, my first game was actually Pokemon Pinball. So I have the original 151 memorized nice. because of that game. But I didn't actually ever play uh, a game until Gold or Silver on my 3DS. After a friend found out that I had a DS and said, or a 3DS and said, "Oh, let me give you all of my DS games that I'm not using anymore." Oh wow, <laughs> nice. that's generous friend. Nice. It was, yeah, it was really sweet of her. So that was in, like, 2012. So I haven't I haven't played a game in a minute. I saw Detective <laughs> Pikachu in the theater, and I found it incomprehensible. It was very fun. <laughs> well, I've got a game for you that you can play with somebody involved who doesn't know anything about the original 151 at all. Oh, good. Would you like to play a game of Mon Mom? You're talking about your mom, right? Not me, because I was going to say. Yeah, obviously. I was talking about my mom. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so to clue listeners in, Mon Mom is the game that we play every week on this show. Uh, I send my mom a picture of one of the Pokemon that we'll be discussing this week. Uh, this week we're going through Ditto, and we're going through the first generation of Eevee. That includes Eevee, Vaporeon, Jolteon, and Flareon. Ooh. And I have sent her a picture of one of these. She is going to describe it give it a name, and it will be up to you to compete against Mr. Darling to see which one of you guys can figure out which one she's talking about. Mr. Blue, what does the scoreboard look like right now? The scoreboard currently stands at 10 to 7. I believe this is the week that you can clinch your victory, actually. Hmm. This, is, we, this is our third to last episode of the generation, if I'm not mistaken, or fourth to last, but I believe if you, uh, if you definitively take the point, it's you... It's uh, the anti-anti-penultimate episode. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so... Christy, are you ready? I am. Mr. Darling? Born ready. All right, here we go. This Pokemon looks like an Asian bunny rabbit. 
I will name it Bum Bum. Okay, so an Asian bunny rabbit named Bum Bum. Bum Bum? <laughs> okay. I like that. I like that. Uh, I think the most Asian bunny rabbit of all of them would be your classic Eevee. So I'm going to go with that. Okay. Christy? Yeah, I hate to do this because it, it it's not particularly exciting, but I think I think Michael's probably right. It is probably Evie because she didn't mention any fun special features. Mm. You know, I'm going to give you guys a chance here. Wait a minute. This could be a trick. What if you picked a ditto that transformed? <laughs> no, I did not play that crafty, but I'm just but I do want to remind people that I do not send my mom I do not I will normally note if I send my mom pictures of all the Pokemon of the week. This time I chose one particular. So she did not have comparisons. But are you guys locking in your guesses at Eevee? I'm gonna stick with Eevee. I think that's the bet for me. Oh guys, sorry, my cat just climbed onto my microphone. Uh, yes, Eevee. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm sorry to say that this week both are wrong. It was Flareon. Oh. Oh. Yeah, and it's it's. I love these Mon Mon things because almost with with a couple exceptions. Once you hear the answer, you kind of realize, oh shit, yeah, I can totally see yeah. that. I feel like I feel like it was a fifty fifty here between those two. Yeah. Um. So we'll get to the EVs in a minute, but we're going to start off with the mimic that could have been Flareon in disguise. Um, Mr. Darling, if you could cue us up about Ditto, please. All right. Ditto is a normal type, or is it? And you first encountered at Roots 13. So yeah, so we've encountered Pokemon that make us question existence and what a soul <laughs> is before. Ditto is just a complete existential crisis of a Pokemon. We've encountered Pokemon that have made us question existence and what a soul is before. Ditto is a complete existential nightmare of a Pokemon. And we haven't even gotten to any of the deity Pokemon. <laughs> and we haven't even gotten any of the deity Pokemon. <laughs> but, so... I'll stop this bit now. Yeah, so Ditto, so Ditto is basically living primordial ooze that can copy DNA. But more than just DNA, it can also, like, that's what the lore says. It can mm. also copy any physical object. The lore says object. Yes. So it can become a paperweight. It can become a mug. <laughs> Michael Darling and I could be drinking wine from a pair of Ditto right now, for all we know. Well, that just took the taste out of my mouth. <laughs> not, the ch not the fact that we're drinking Two Buck Chuck. <laughs> hey, Two Buck Chuck is perfect for the price. It is. Um, but I do want to talk a little bit about Mimics. Um, it's cool that, you know, across the span of the original 150, we did include a somewhat classic uh, archetype, which is the Mimic archetype. And maybe listeners or fans of the show, or Christy, if you know a little bit more history behind RPG tropes and things like that, um, Mimics have kind of been around in some kind of format, like as far back as the original NES Final Fantasies, if I remember correctly. I think there were characters with those kinds of copycat abilities. Um, yeah, and they carry through uh, historically, like obviously all of the Final Fantasy games, and then also RPG kind of spinoffs of that series continued mm -hmm. that hmm. theme. Uh and it is actually something you see in uh, tabletop games a lot. This is It's not necessarily a character type, but it's something most classes in, I think, most editions of Dungeons & Dragons can acquire as an ability. Interesting. Are you a D&D &D player yourself? I, I may have just showed my hand. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> the hesitation was enough to tell us the truth. Don't worry. <laughs> two, two, out of three, two out of three of us sitting here on this show right now are D&D &D players, so you're with at least one other uh, compatriot. Good to know. Yeah, I'm a I am a, an occasional dungeon master, so there you go. Oh wow. Huh. Yeah, I am uh I'm new to it, but I'm 
tempted to dip my hand into a DMing for like a one-off series. I want. I, I saw a tweet that inspired me that was just like, oh, sometimes you can have a party that's all bards. And I'm like, oh, I want to make a one-off <laughs> that's specifically for five pre-made uh, bards. Pro tip regarding bards, something they, like mine in particular in my game, really likes to close every fight with a kind of a final song. So I started tailoring items oh, they no. could buy to that. And they own a um, uh, an enchanted box that only plays Huey Lewis and the News' The Power of Love. <laughs> That's fantastic. So, you know, just a, just a tip. If you want some notes from me, a person who has been doing this for two years, very slapdashy. <laughs> I think my, uh, my group would be open to that because we have a tradition that at the end of every fight, whoever scores the killing blow on the final enemy you have to drop a cheesy action movie line that's a really what was good one rule. you had um i defeated a giant pumpkin boss in our last session and my closing line was more like jack no lantern <laughs> good lord that's terrible so yeah so back to the no, mimic it's, it's actually really good uh- <laughs> So back to the mimic in uh, in this game, I think it's actually a really cool design point that they incorporate like a classic trope that we've seen in role-playing games even as far back as D&D, as you mentioned. Uh, but they build it into the lore of this game and this world that it's a biological mimic, as opposed to just something that can copy moves, it can actually copy DNA of other creatures. It becomes the creature. Yeah. Well, I mean, it takes on... So how... I haven't... I can't remember exactly. Darling, how extensive is... Ditto's mimicry. Like, does it take move sets? Does it take stats? Yeah. Like, yeah. It basically becomes that Pokemon, which is why there are glitches associated with oh. it, because it's I don't know the whole technical specs of it, but because it becomes that opposing Pokemon when it uses transform, the game then briefly thinks that it is that Pokemon until you catch it. Like, there's a weird glitch that was discovered uh, among many weird glitches with Ditto that if you uh, catch a Ditto while, oh wait, no, if you trade a shiny Pokemon from gold and silver to red, blue, or yellow, where it will not be shiny in those games because shiny didn't exist back then, uh, and fight a Ditto, the Ditto, if you trade it over to gold or silver, will be shiny because it copied a shiny Pokemon. It's a whole thing. So yeah, like, hmm. it tricks the game into thinking that it is this Pokemon, even though it's a Ditto. Yeah, and I mean, that glitch, or ditto glitching, was used to force Mew into existence in the original generation of games yeah. as well. So I think that's also how you ran into Missing No, wasn't it? Yeah, I thought Missing Number was just like a uh, arbitrary glitch that would occasionally occur. I kind of pictured it as being like Neo in the Matrix, where it was just like a systemic anomaly. It's the Pokemon Neo. Um, well, I was going to say, though, but I don't think Ditto would be able to say the lines, because as we've seen in other media... Dittos don't learn how to talk. They can do everything else, but they can't suddenly speak in human. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. So that brings speak up the imperfect mimic aspect of Ditto, um, which I thought you mentioned that you saw Detective Pikachu. You were completely baffled by it. So were you completely I confused? Sure did. I did. I found it harder to follow than the movie Primer. I was trying to figure <laughs> out what movie confused me less, and I think it was that one. Uh, but I did catch the, like, I mean... There's, there's some pretty excellent use of Ditto in that movie, if nothing else. Like, I believe Rita Ora is a Ditto, which I love. Really? That was her? <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize that was Rita Ora. But yeah, when they, when she removes her sunglasses finally and it turns out they're Ditto beady eyes under there. 
Yes, which is a horrifying, harrowing image. Oh, yeah. They really lean into the Cronenbergian horror aspect of Ditto, and I appreciate that. Of a lot of the Pokemon, it could be argued. There's a, there's a lot of weirdly, uh, really sticks with you images in that movie in a way that I don't find totally comfortable, but I'm <laughs> impressed by. Yeah, and you know who does a perfect mimic of the mimic? Mr. Darling told me about a Halloween costume that he had. Oh, this wasn't a Halloween costume. This was a friend of mine... Uh, had a Pokemon-themed party for her birthday, like, 2013 or so, like, before this big renaissance we've had since Pokemon Go and everything. Uh, and so I went as Ditto. I wore a pink shirt that I drew a blank expression on, and whenever I'd meet someone for the first time that night, I'd just repeat back what they said to them. Oh, that is incredibly obnoxious, but also really, really good. It was just the first sentence or so. It wasn't that long. <laughs> Okay. It was Just shorter than it was shorter than the bit I did within this episode. So. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> um, speaking to another running thing that I always bring up, uh, the shinies today are all fantastic, and I'll say up front in the episode, I love all these Pokemon. It's a rare case of you will not be brought into my pit of hatred at all today. I love all these Pokemon. <laughs> I have no rants, unfortunately. Um. But, darling, tell us about a little bit. Uh, one of the other interesting things. Well, uh, what color is the shiny that you like so much that oh, you didn't mention? It's uh, So it's normally like a very putty type of pink, which, weirdly enough, I think the original color is kind of gross in a very good way. It's very much like chewed gum. It just, it looks like yeah, leftover. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like leftover, like, biological matter. Like, it looks like what I'd expect bio waste to look like. Um, but It's the, placenta. But the aqua blue just looks so adorable. Like, it's just a shiny blue that's just very... It's baby blue. So you like the spearmint better than you like the tutti frutti. What's interesting is that spearmint is my favorite flavor of gum. I'm not a sweet gum type of person. I am a spearmint. I like spearmint. Not a huge fan of cinnamon gum. Big Red's like the only cinnamon gum I like for the five seconds that it retains its flavor. Big Red does kind of fall into the same category as Juicy Fruit and Fruit Stripe Gum, where that like that first moment you bite into it is incredibly satisfying, and then it is all downhill from there. Oh, it's one of those candies that has not changed since the Depression. Like, I think they're even still <laughs> the same price. <laughs> like, I think back in the Depression, though, it was like a Christmas gift level of, like, extravagant to pay 25 cents <laughs> for a pack of five sticks of gum, and nowadays, <laughs> but they just haven't adjusted the price. <laughs> <laughs> and it's probably the same gum they haven't made any new gum since the truman administration <laughs> i'm just picturing like what was that uh gosh the, what were those um other disgusting wafers the tesco wafers oh no nico wafers nico, nico wafers yeah i don't know if you've heard of all these nico or neko neko wafers yeah n-e-c double c-o yeah, yeah. Because Nico sang with the Velvet Underground. But that being said, uh, yeah, I was just picturing Nico wafers going from like a Halloween bag immediately into next year's Halloween bowl for that <laughs> family, and then just going down the line from 1945, where you could like do a montage of all the homes that a Nico wafer pack has gone through, all the way back to the Depression. <laughs> back when it was a rare delicacy during the Depression. Yeah, for sure. Ugh. Um, but yeah, so speaking of how they leverage Ditto's uh, unique design and kind of characteristics, Darling, they leverage it pretty interesting in pretty interesting ways in other games like Let's Go and uh, or Pokemon Go and Smash. Can oh, yeah. you 
Uh, Pokemon Go, Ditto was not one of the first Pokemon introduced. They introduced, like, all of the other basic uh, Pokemon from the first generation at the beginning of the game. But then Ditto, they didn't reveal that until, like, five months in. And it was a very clever premise. You had to, like, click on a Pidgey or a Rattata or some other trash Pokemon. And then if you were lucky, <laughs> the Pidgey would then transform into a Ditto once you had caught it. So Ditto was out there hiding in the world. Uh, and disguised, and it was kind of a clever way to bring this troublesome Pokemon in, rather than just having, you know, chewed up gum everywhere. In Smash Brothers, uh, in the new one, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, it's a summonable Pokemon that will transform into whatever character summoned it. Yeah, Christy, are you, do you play any of the Smash games? Are you a Smash player at all? I do, I do. I haven't played Ultimate yet. Um, oh. Jigglypuff is one of my mains in hmm. every previous game, actually. Ooh. And Darling, remind me again what you main? Uh, Link, but I'm really enjoying Banzo and Kazooie right now. Interesting. Ooh. And I, I am... mostly like using Jigglypuff because it's very humiliating for other people to lose to her as opposed <laughs> to most other characters. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I'm trying to, like, I'm trying to think, because, like, I feel like Jigglypuff actually gets the buy, whereas Meta Knight, you'll get accused of being cheap because, you know, the height thing. Like, Jigglypuff, you yeah, just Meta, kind of... Meta Knight has a lot of kind of cheap moves you can pull, but it's also somewhat difficult to master in order mm -hmm. to get those moves. I would say Pit is the one that is OP in uh, Melee that I will most accept like the critique that i'm cheating <laughs> yeah melee is kind of, is really it's really impressive to me the staying power that it has as a competitive scene game i mean i don't follow smash a whole lot but from what i understand it's still a presence on competitive levels and like with tournaments and all that sort of thing more or less it dropped out of it was dropped from evo this year for the first time Ooh. since it came out because ultimate is just better and more concise i think mm. uh but yeah also the smash community in the smash community there's a whole thing there but the melee community within that is smash has a toxic fandom already oh something with a toxic fandom you don't say yeah i know right <laughs> melee is even worse somehow yeah um i mean it's national video game day as of hashtag national video game day as of time of recording but um but yeah i mean i'm i'm struggling to think of other video game fan bases that might be toxic how odd that smash brothers should have a toxic fan base <laughs> You're struggling to think of any others? No, that is sarcasm, Mr. Say, Darling. I was going to say. <laughs> Anyhow. Um, I'm just kind of like quietly contemplating the idea that maybe Animal Crossing's fan base is toxic in some way, and now I'm just really <laughs> sad. Aww. I mean, I, I think, think that may be. Like, just people arguing about which villagers are better? <laughs> I mean... I feel like there I was... I'm very, very upset when the new trailer dropped and Isabel still isn't featured. So I guess maybe there's right. some anger to go around there. But that's just me. Like, that's just me personally getting very invested in something that doesn't ultimately matter that much. You're right. We've seen plenty of Nintendo's greatest villain, Tom Nook. But where is Isabel? Am I, <laughs> am I dreaming or do I remember there being some sort of like fan outcry about the fact that Animal Crossing... One, an iteration of Animal Crossing some t somewhat recently finally announced that you'd be able to set your skin tone to different tones for your player Ooh. character, and people were like, why do you need this? Uh, or why are they making a big deal out of this? I remember that about Animal Crossing. I remember that about other games. but Okay, I may be Crossing mixing it up with another like, franchise. Maybe. Yeah. Um, I know Gears of War 5 was the most recent victim of, or like, 
target of that sort of rage because they featured a female protagonist on the cover as opposed to the usual big burly ex-football player dude <laughs> i've never played a gears game i don't know anything about it it just oh, i've played the first two uh i mean it's it's one of the only couch co-op games i enjoy it's also one of the only couch co-op games i've played that you can set different difficulty levels for different players oh, oh that's I'm very bad at shooters the person I play with is very good at shooters, so that worked out well for us. That being said, the animation of the men in that game is like they're just they're like melted action fig- figures. It's pretty great. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of video games I'm bad at that I still insist on playing. Um, most recently NBA two K has mm. been my most recent foray. I have no idea what I'm doing in that game, but my player is out there and he is throwing up shots. <laughs> I feel like Gears of War was part of a genre that came out mostly around 2006 or so, where every big AAA shooter starred a space marine who had no neck. It was just yes. torso, arms, neck. Yep. Oh, torso, arms, head. Yeah, jawline. <laughs> yeah. You go from clavicle straight to rigid jawline. Um, so let's talk about something that is the opposite of a Gears of War burly man. The super cute, super adorable, oh, super Sorry, cuddly. There's one more oh, thing about Ditto we have to say. It's the most important thing. This Pokemon fucks. <laughs> How so, Mr. <laughs> Darling? Well, because Ditto can breed with any Pokemon that can breed. Like, if you have a Bulbasaur, and you don't want to go through all of the trouble of trying to figure out, like... Oh, well, if I breed with this one, then I can get another Bulbasaur. No, you just put in a Ditto, and you get yourself another Bulbasaur in that egg. Ditto fucks. And breeding was in was introduced in Gen 2, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. So that was finally the solution to how do I trade my friend a Bulbasaur from my starter set when I want to keep my starter Bulbasaur exactly. that I've been training this whole game. Um, very good problem-solving yeah. tool. So I'm glad they finally they introduced that mechanic eventually. Yeah. And one other thing, uh, Ditto introduced the concept of the novelty Pokemon, basically a Pokemon that has like some weird, out of nowhere ability that you don't see anywhere else on a Pokemon. Uh, in this case, it transforms into other Pokemon. Uh, a few others like Smeargle, which learns, which can copy uh, a rival's move and make it part of its permanent move set. Or Kecleon, which copies, if I remember correctly, the it becomes the type of the last move used on it. We'll talk about Smeargle a little bit more Soon. when we get there. Yeah, yeah. but um, Next but, gen. The, but, but the interesting thing about it is, is that between Ditto and Smeargle, you're I'm actually seeing like an interesting parallel to the Final Fantasy mimics that I mentioned, because in Final Fantasy VI there was the uh, young girl who could literally paint to mimic other creatures' moves, and she would, like, paint their huh. moves. And then uh, there was the mimic character that was a hidden character, Gogo, that you could find that could mimic your party's abilities and wow. moves. Um, but that wasn't so much a one-time-only thing. Like, you could literally steal their abilities and set his menu to reflect that. Huh. Um, but, it was, but his powers were only going to be half as strong as anybody else's. But, yeah. You could yeah. basically custom-build, like, an all-in-one character. Um Okay. Cool. Are we ready to get right. to uh to Anything more you want to say about Dale Christie? Um, I once received a text from one of my best friends asking me which Pokemon Ted Cruz would be, and I immediately <laughs> responded Snorlax. And then the more I thought of it, uh, and the, like the more I debated it on the internet, because of course a screen cap immediately went on the internet. <laughs> uh, 
I became convinced he is more of a ditto. I can see that because he does kind of go whichever way the wind he thinks the yeah. wind is blowing. Plus, he looks yeah, like a blobfish. He, he, he kind of reforms himself. He's pretty doughy. Like there's just <laughs> like, like he looks a little slimy, not like the pink slime, but you know it's there. I mean, we'll tweet this out from the Monmen Twitter account at Monmen Pod later, but we're just gonna do a side by side of a picture of Ted Cruz and a picture of a ditto. And... <laughs> I don't even think we need to caption it with anything. I think we just need to put the two of them together. (laughs) Ted Cruz looks damp. He does. He looks soggy, and I don't like it. Yeah. He looks like... I always assume that he has, like, onion breath. (laughs) I can see that. He looks like the kind of guy who always asks for extra onions on whatever he's eating. (laughs) Do you remember that story about how he bought, like, 50 cans of soup? Yes. (laughs) I think about it a lot. Yes. That's such... That's ditto behavior. That's like the humans like soup, so I will get soup. Uh, I will get soup for my bride. I'm sorry. It's September 12th. It's the day after a national day of remembrance. <laughs> oh, we're no. talking about the Senator Ted Cruz, and we need to properly honor the day before this recording with remembering that this is the date that Ted Cruz liked a porn tweet. <laughs> God. I mean, it's, it's cool. I'm in New York. I'm pretty sure no one has forgotten do not need to be reminded to remember. No one's forgotten that Ted Cruz liked a porn tweet a year, a year or two years. ago? I think it was two years ago. Two years it ago, was a couple yesterday. years, I think. Yeah, yeah. I um never forget. So let's get to Evie. <laughs> <laughs> Moving from Dick Cheney and the Zodiac Killer to Evie. Okay. I mean, Dick Cheney somehow evolved to three different high-level ranking positions in the White House, despite all odds against him. Eevee will somehow evolve to three different follow-up Pokemon, despite all odds against her. <laughs> Please tell me about They're this Pokemon. All so fucking cute. Yeah. <laughs> like I was, I was actually hyped about about Eevee being featured on this episode. Yeah. Because Eevee is one of the Pokemon that I'm deeply into. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing to me that, like, especially with my own level of potential rage for Pokemon designs, that Eevee now has what eight different evolutions yes so all you can nine a perfect like um what is that a perfect alignment chart hmm. like yeah D&D, i am um... lawful neutral all of that kind of oh, alignment yeah, chart. Yeah, yeah. yeah i um and i love all of them so far which is kind of interesting that they are batting a thousand on a pokemon with this many different forms but let's start with the base form that's kind of the template that all the other eevees managed to follow mm-hmm. to a certain extent i think umbreon's the one exception we'll get to eventually mm. but more or less um yeah. Uh, so it's a normal type, and you first encounter it as a gift in Celadon Mansion, which is important because that means there's only one in red, blue, and yellow, and further games would continue that for a bit, where you only get one Eevee, so you really have to choose wisely about what you're going to turn your little Eevee pal into. Yeah, and for those of you who haven't, who didn't go with the Let's Go Eevee version, which I did without hesitation because it wasn't even me trying to be an alternate hipster about it. I just fucking love Eevee. Um, the Eevee in that game that is your partner Eevee is adorable. <laughs> um, <laughs> there was a tweet just as those games came out that I particularly loved where it's like, Pokemon Let's Go Eevee player. Oh, no, sorry, Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu player. Oh, it's so cute that you picked Eevee. It's such a cute Pokemon. I think that's really sweet. You didn't go with like the mainstream one. I really love Pikachu, though, so I had to go with Pikachu. But that's cool that you went with Eevee. Pokemon Let's Go Eevee player. Fuck Pikachu! <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh man, but yeah, no, I love I love Evie. Um, and I just think there's so many. This is another case of like they basically picked three real world animals and just compa- and just like compiled elements of those real world animals. So you have like a little bit of fox in there. You have a little bit like fennec fox, yeah, particularly some cat, some dog, but nothing too otherworldly. Some rabbit for your mom. Yeah, at least well, for, well, when we get to Flareon. But, you know, the ears, I think the ears are pretty consistent between those two versions. Yeah. But, um, but you know, they're not taking anything too fantastic. There is nothing otherworldly about this Pokemon, and yet it is adorable and beloved. I mean, I said this with Duck with Stick. You do not need to do something outlandish. You just need to do something well. Mm-hmm. Um, and Eevee just 100% accomplishes that. Um, we have yet another endangered Pokemon here, though, because the other reason why you only encounter one Eevee in the game is that they are super, super rare in the world. Um, I mean, by Sun Moon, thankfully, they're everywhere in a couple of routes. But yeah, like early on, they mentioned in the Pokedex that it's a rare endangered Pokemon. Apparently, much like a 19th century composer in Europe, Eevee just needed to go for sun and plenty of warm weather to relax and recover. <laughs> I just associate that with like doctors. That's a pers- weird joke. I just appreciate like I'm a big fan of of all things. I'm a big fan of Frederick Chopin, and I just always associate like that particular prescription that Chopin got while he was like dying from tuberculosis that he had to go to a warmer clime and rest. And I feel like that is the kind of like prescription doctors only gave up until like the 20th century. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's why a lot of people came out to the West Coast because it was like, go get some sun. It's good for your health. Oh, okay. So yeah, like there's just... a bunch of old tuberculosis sanitariums around the LA area. I have had more than one doctor uh, prescribe me vitamin D, so I'm <laughs> like maybe there is something to this. <laughs> I'm a reasonably healthy person. It's always just like, have you ever been in the sun before? Would you like to try it? <laughs> but correct me if I'm wrong. You're 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 dialing into us via satellite from New York, correct? <laughs> I am from the from the wilds of Greenpoint, Brooklyn. Wow. And it's actually been really bright this summer, and I got a new job earlier this year where I sit directly in front of a window all day. Oh, nice. So, yeah, no, it's been better, but it's about to get to the point of the year where on the East Coast it's bright for mm, two hours a day. So I'll be I'll be falling back on the on the whole uh, vitamin D and and faux light thing pretty soon here. Right. I have a very important Brooklyn question. What exactly is Brooklyn barbecue? It's not a thing. I think, it, was it, uh, I think it, Darling maybe tweeted about it, or it was, was it I did. you yeah. who critiqued it? Okay, good, good. It's not a thing. There is barbecue here, but it's just like barbecue you would get anywhere else where there is no specialization in barbecue. Like, it's good. You get your tray, you get your ribs, you get, you get your cornbread, whatever. Uh, but it's nothing spectacular. It's not like one of the top ten things I would recommend eating in Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, I got a thorough lecture from somebody recently that I was very grateful for on the differences between different regional barbecues like Tennessee barbecue versus North Carolina versus South Carolina versus Texas barbecue and Louisiana barbecue. Um, very interesting stuff if you really go down that rabbit hole and do the research. And they flipped it because they know I'm from New York and asked, what is Brooklyn barbecue then? And I said, it is simply barbecue that you buy in Brooklyn when you cannot find yes. a pizza place. <laughs> yeah, like all of the Brooklyn... Yeah, no, Basically, because like I have very strong opinions on the distinctions among like New York pizza, Chicago pizza, and Detroit style. And oh, let's have this thing. debate now. This is this is one of my favorite topics to debate. Go. What are your pizza <laughs> thoughts? Rank them. I could go. No, I could go 
literally all day. But the the important thing here is that Brooklyn barbecue is not a thing. I've only lived in Brooklyn for a few months, and I lived in Manhattan much longer. But I assure you that it is just not a thing that I would ever acknowledge as like a subgenre of food that's like a must-have when you're here. Yeah, all of the Brooklyn barbecue articles I've read about like the greatness of describes more the aesthetic of what you're dining, where you're dining. Versus the actual food itself, mm-hmm. and if you're defining, oh, yeah. yeah, if you're defining your food by the context in which you're eating it rather than the actual food itself, you've done something wrong, I think. Agreed. No, it's no, you're not wrong. And my favorite place for barbecue in Brooklyn, actually, the thing that I like about it is that they have a very long tap list, and all mm. of the tap handles are like fake uh, butcher's knives, like and. I like that yeah, a lot. That's cute. Like they're cleavers. That's that's neat. That's cute. It doesn't mean their food tastes particularly spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so back to Evie. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's where we were. Place. <laughs> um, so we're gonna come back to this Pokemon multiple times because there are we're gonna confine the evolutions discussion to generationally. So we're not going to talk Umbreon, Sylveon, or anything like that today, but... For now, there are only three. Yeah, for now, there are only three evolutions that we can talk about, but I do want to share in this prompt a uh, prediction that although we've had a few reveals of new Pokemon for uh, for Sword and Shield coming up, I do predict that there will be new evolutions, a, at least one new evolution added. Well, we um, always get them on the even numbers, so... Really? Is that how it works? Yeah. It's kind of like uh, a two, four, six. Yeah. Oh, so it kind of goes like an iPhone thing. <laughs> it's like you get the S, and then you get the uh, the actual next gen. Christy, pick a type. Would you like an Eevee of that, or rather, what evolution type that doesn't exist would you like? Was there a psychic one yet? Yeah, in the second generation. Yep. Oh damn. In the ones you played. Yeah, we have psychic, dark, fairy. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we have like the three kind of and ice also. Yeah. And then we have. So what do we still even have left? Because that's a lot. <laughs> there are sixteen types. No. We don't have a rock type. We don't have a steel type. A ghost type. We don't have. I would be really into a ghost Eevee, actually. Yeah. And you know what they could do to really fuck with us? They could make an evolution that is just a normal type, second stage Eevee. <laughs> it just looks like a grown up Eevee. Like, that would just be, like, simultaneously the most perfect, but also biggest letdown. <laughs> yeah, just, like, slightly older, are we thinking? <laughs> just got some wrinkles and gray hair. Yeah. <laughs> well, it would basically look like the Eevee from Detective Pikachu. <laughs> we will RT ourselves for this, but. There was a release of like the uh, design for the Eevee from Detective Pikachu, and it looks like the kind of thing that can predict the date, time, and method of your death. <laughs> it's just a hard. It's just. It is absolute. It absolutely belongs in like a Silent Hill Pokemon mashup. <laughs> Terrifying. Terrifying. Oh, Pyramid Head would be a pretty solid Pokemon. Yeah. What type would that be? Oh, Dark, obviously. Oh, good it's point. It's a murder type. Dark. Si- <laughs> Could you have a dark psychic? Could you have like an oppo- like such a directly opposing dual type? Yes, there have been some. Oh, okay. I think there's one line, but we'll get to those in about four years. <laughs> okay. Well, let's. Uh, do we have any closing thoughts on Evie, uh, Christy? Before he we just move looks on. Really soft. I mean, like I, I just think like so. But one of my cats is on the bed right now, and he looks a lot like a Pokemon. Like he has giant brown eyes, and he's orange all over. And <laughs> I'm just thinking, like, how nice it would be to just, like, have an Eevee hanging around. Just, like, I think this about a lot of 
like the the cutest smallest creatures in movies like i really i mean not creature but i really wanted a wally for a long time Aww. after the film wally came mm. out and i have very similar like the, those are my feelings on eb in some like i just would like to have one around. i'm surprised they didn't do like a bb8 style like remote control wally or like even one of those like mildly ai type mm. things like they have with like the the robot dogs mm. for a wally maybe well, the... i used to have a robot yeah. dog and i had like the bb8 is very cool too. I uh i have the i mean it lives in my house i didn't build it myself but the lego wally like the lego ideas wally mm-hmm. and it is one of the cutest things Aww. in my home <laughs> yeah i hate to admit that wall that like i didn't like wally when it was first released but i've come around on it good um <laughs> yes i'm not good. i'm not completely despicable in all my opinions your heart Don't grew worry. three sizes that day yeah it took a, it took a friend it took a friend forcing me to sit down and watch it um but i came around um like i get that it's a tough sell it literally opens with a song from hello dolly and you're like what is going on but... that that wasn't even the thing that got me off on it it was just the fact that they, i thought they were being too heavy-handed like i agree with a good environmental positive message and all that and like waste not want not and all that like i thought the movie had great morals but i just thought they were being way too heavy-handed with it hmm surprisingly and i was just like this is turning into propaganda like propaganda for stuff i believe in but still propaganda (laughs) (laughs) oh but then then they bring it all back around at the end with that good peter gabriel song yeah very cool credits and oh i like wally a lot oh yeah (laughs) fair enough fair enough evie is absolutely adorable too Hmm. um and it's got a cute pale gray shiny yep so continuing the awesome cool shinies pale gray might seem like a boring shiny but i actually think it's a pretty cool concept in terms of like making a pokemon look like it bled off of like a 1950s like old-timey movie (laughs) what is there's a movie oh it's like a pleasantville a reverse pleasantville oh my god why did you even have to think about what movie that was pleasantville is a masterpiece well i was thinking of something else (laughs) originally but i love pleasantville great Hmm. thank you pleasantville in a minute yeah, Pleas- Pleasantville has Tobey Maguire just being the sweetest little bean. <laughs> the opposite of Tobey Maguire, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, we will link. He hasn't done anything lately. Yeah, we will link to this in the show notes. But uh, one of my favorite clickhole articles of all time is the tugboat Toby. <laughs> oh God! Yes, words. Yeah, uh, like the five times that Tobey Maguire got angry because interviewers or directors or someone wouldn't refer to him as tugboat Maguire or something. <laughs> Yeah, it's good. It's, it's an absolute masterpiece of a click hole piece. But yeah, Pleasantville is astounding. Kristen Dunst, too, right? No, Reese Witherspoon. Oh, no, Reese Witherspoon. Okay. Yeah, Reese yeah. Paul Walker. One of, probably my really? favorite Paul oh Walker. Oh my god, yes. Huh. Paul Walker, when she just like gets sexually frustrated and gives him a BJ up at lookout <laughs> point. <laughs> yes, and then he becomes a, a nightmare person, and he's one of the people who never turns colors because he's too stuck in his ways. Mm, yeah. Um, kind of a. Movie. Who's the 1950s mom in that? Because I know William H Macy is the dad. Oh, I can't remember her name. William H Macy is just stunning in that film, though. He is. He's very good. And Jeff Daniels, I believe, is the the diner the owner, owner, the owner of the yeah, diner. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Which um, is fitting because he was in Purple Rose of Cairo, which had a similar concept. Although, in that case, he's coming out of the movie into the real world. Yeah, and I can't remember the actor who played him, but I know him as Mr. Roper from Three's Company. was like the cable guy. Oh, uh, Don Knotts. Don Knotts, there yeah, you go. Obviously. Yeah, I just... I yeah. Three's Company was just one of those shows that for some reason, as a young kid, I watched. <laughs> Even though, like... I, no, I watched 
watched it a lot too. I've I've seen every episode of Happy Days. That was mine. So. Oh man, yeah. yeah. Joan Allen, that's the mom. There we go. Yeah. I thought, um, I wasn't sure. Like I associate her so strongly with Face Off that anytime I'm thinking of like a mom in a movie, I'm just automatically <laughs> jumped to Joan Allen. So aside from the fact that it's happening, have we heard anything about potential casting for that Face Off remake? No, and I gotta like. To me, this is one of those things where I don't know if I, like, I'm going to be like every terrible person was about Ghostbusters. Like, this really would ruin my childhood. Like, <laughs> that, that movie is one of my holy grails. Like, I love Face Off. So I was talking about this with another friend of the pod, past co-host Alex Cresswick, and I proposed that one of the most high concept approaches that I would just love to see is if instead of having somebody new let's have nicholas cage but let's have nicholas cage play both roles okay and that's a great idea oh my head hurts already <laughs> think about it but he, then but then let's he gets kind of, he gets stuck with the less interesting role in that movie because he's playing nicholas cage or john travolta <laughs> pretending to be nicholas no no cage i want him to play both very good at it yeah and that ends up being like uh, the much less interesting performance. Like it's nuanced, yeah. But John Travolta gets to have all of the fun in that movie. I want to point out of the two of them, Nicolas Cage is the one who's still got a thriving active career. Hang on, I think you guys misunderstood. I want Nicolas Cage to play both his original role and John Travolta's role this time. So it is no, Nicolas Cage. I yeah, so oh, switch. He gets to do both. And then he I gets just to be nuanced and quiet, Cage, and he gets to be ridiculous, Cage. And I like, want yes. him to still play it as if completely unbeknownst to himself he is confused by the fact that his face has been switched like he sees the difference <laughs> so just picture him looking at himself completely unchanged but having to sell to the audience this is not my face <laughs> i saw someone suggest that it should be henry cavill and matt bomer and they wouldn't be able to tell the difference that their faces were changed Oh my god. Oh yeah, no, those men look the same. You could also throw Cheyenne Jackson in there and maybe make it oh. three guys. All right, but here's Faces a, off, yeah. But here's a very honest pitch for random idea dream casting. Tom Cruise and John Cho. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Huh, okay. I'm just I would buy that movie yeah. for a dollar. Yeah. I love John. I mean oh, yeah, no, the I face like off remake yeah. is completely unnecessary. Like, it does not need to be made. Like I was just thinking of the racial politics of that, but my thought is is that they're just two different people. They're switching faces. Yeah, there shouldn't yeah. need to be racial right, politics. Yeah. So, and I mean, if you're going with a concept like that in this day and age, they can explain <laughs> how the faces are blended into the rest of their complexions and with whatever weird signs they're using to justify this shit anyway. Good lord, yeah. So maybe it's I'm like also just worried it's going to be somehow even longer because Face Off, like despite being a perfect film and airtight is like 30 minutes too long. There's a boat chase that lasts, I think five hours at the end of that God. movie. There are so many movies where there's an unnecessarily long boat chase. Like I was uh, just about to say, Live and Let Die, the James Bond movie, has a boat chase that seems to go on that for an does hour. Have a long boat chase. Short Circuit Two even had a boat chase. <laughs> <laughs> the robot ran on treads, but they still managed to fit a boat chase into it. <laughs> All right, can we think of any good movies that have a boat chase? I think maybe Last Crusade, Casino Royale. Oh yeah, there's a boat chase. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah, last crusade, I'd say. So, but, right. yeah, but even those, those aren't like the real centerpiece action moment of the movie. Spice you know, World has a really good boat <laughs> So we could talk about a Pokemon that could be involved in a boat chase, but before we do, I actually have one more thing to say about Eevee, Ooh. which is that Eevee is. So we mentioned that Eevee is an endangered Pokemon. 
And I do want to point out an, another weird factoid that I'm aware of, which is the fact that tigers <laughs> very similarly are endangered. This but is... did you know that there are more tigers in captivity in Texas than there are in the rest of the world? That is disappointing and depressing. Yes, it is at once both depressing, but also an example of why I say that Texas is just a libertarian nightmare land. <laughs> because there are so few restrictions and, like... So wait, Regulations. these are private people owning tigers, not like zoos or preserves? Yeah, these are just straight up like your neighbors have a tiger in their backyard. Wow. Because in Texas, unlike in L.A., you have such huge expansive yards and backyards as just like a normalcy that like, yeah, people own fucking tigers and just have them as pets in their backyards. The same way in the Midwest, a bunch of people have llamas. Well, have either of you heard of a movie called Roar? Yeah. No. Oh, I've never seen Which it, movie? but Sorry. Roar? It's a 1981, as no. Wikipedia describes it, American adventure comedy film. Uh, basically, it's Tippi Hedren, who was in The Birds, and her daughter, Melanie Griffith. Their family owned actual like lions and such in the San Fernando Valley. And someone decided, let's make a movie with these lions and this family. And... Yeah, uh, Alamo Drafthouse has described it as if Walt Disney decided to turn uh, uh, Swiss Family Robinson into a snuff film. Like, everyone on that film got <laughs> injured in some way because they were working alongside actual fucking lions. That's fantastic. And Alamo Drafthouse, I haven't been to Alamo Drafthouse yet. Have you? Sorry, yet. This, is local, this is local LA in the weeds. Yeah, we just got a Drafthouse. Recently opened, correct? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I still haven't made it, even though I live literally one block away from it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, the the Brooklyn one is good. Um, there are other theaters that will bring you food to your seat <laughs> that are smaller and closer to me and slightly cheaper. Hmm. So I've been a little less into it lately, but it is good, and they make their own soda, and yeah, I, I recommend that. <laughs> I honestly feel so decadent when I've gone to those theaters that'll bring you food to your seats. <laughs> They're really weird. They're actually very strange. I saw Midsummer. Uh, I mean, I saw it twice because that's what you do with uh, feel, the feel-good hit of the summer. <laughs> uh, and the first time I went to a theater where they serve you food, and you could like just like hear people getting less interested in their food as they went and got more disgusted with what's going on. Nice. The second time, yeah, the second time I went to a theater where they didn't serve food. But I did get a giant ass frozen Coke, so I was like slurping it in the middle of the movie. It's like this is a normal thing for a thirty-something to do. Well, here's the one thing that makes me feel really uncomfortable about the theater serving food thing is that especially when they have like the waiter situation where the waiters come to take your order, it yes. is the simple fact that I am sitting in this cushy throne of a chair. And they are inevitably kneeling before me to take my order. <laughs> they don't stand, especially like yeah, yeah. Because even before the movie, when like those dumb movie trivia things are up on the screen about like here, download this app or whatever, they will kneel to respect the other people, as you know makes sense. But no, it still true. makes me feel like that decadent lord who's tossing a bag of corn and saying, go, peasant! Bring me my feast! <laughs> oh, your notches will was, be ready soon, sir. I think it was like Mel Magazine, or someone hmm. did like, they had a piece on the decadence and like the kind of the absurdity of the whole idea, and they described it as the servers scurrying around like rats, and now I can't not think of that when I'm at one wow. of those theaters. Oh, man. That sounds accurate. 
All right, so that yeah, was... It's, it's not far off. All right, so speaking of decadence, let's talk about another Elizabethan lord of a Pokemon. Oh yeah, this one straight up has ruffles. This is Poseidon's water <clears throat> war dog, Vaporeon. It's a water <laughs> type. It's the first of the evolutions. Uh, before we get into it, I just want to ask everybody, who are you evolving your Eevee into of these three? Christy? Jolteon. Okay, Baloo? I'm going to go with Jolteon. I have a thing for electric and fire types, yeah. but... Yeah, Jolteon too. Like, I love Vaporeon as a design, but Jolteon, I needed that because it had Pin Missile, which was effective against Sabrina's Pokemon, so. But there is a bit of a uh, meme online about thou shalt not evolve your Eevee into a Vaporeon. Darling, do you know anything about this? No, I don't know this it's one. It's because Vaporeon of the three original Eeveelutions actually has, like, a terrible special stat, which mm. is not something you want out of a elemental-type Pokemon. Um but that being said, I think the design is great. Oh, yeah. I mean, so I talked about the Eevee template briefly. And, you know, in terms of the elements that we're going to see across most of the Eeveelutions, you're going to see some kind of a neck ruffle. You're going to see something done with the ears and the tail. Um, this evolution of Eevee, Vaporeon, takes that neck ruffle and turns it into a neck dorsal fin, which looks like, as I referenced, an Elizabethan, like, neck ruff. Um yeah, and, yeah, basically. Or one of those dinosaurs from Jurassic Park that spit. Uh, oh down. yeah, that ate Newman uh, from Seinfeld. The Dilophosaurus. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I did not do the proper dino research last episode. I was referencing pleosaurs and whatnot. This episode, I'm like, oh. yeah, the one that ate Newman from Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> hey, next week we got fossils, so oh, we best come correct. Yes, but yeah, it's got the ruffled fins, and I say that literally. Yeah, I joked in the notes that it should be named Clarence Pennyfeather Huffington the Fourth, who is late for opera with the Duchess. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's Galarian wheezing, actually. But but yeah, this one also. So a bit of the lore on this one that's kind of terrifying is that this is a water Pokemon that if it spends too much time in water will actually melt into the water because its molecular structure is so close to water. Wild. Yeah, I, do you remember the original X Men? That X-Men? doesn't make sense, actually. <laughs> well, I it reminded me of the original X Men movie where the senator they tried to turn the senator into a mutant, yes. and then but they instead turned him into water. Well, like he, just kind of, he melts more or less. Yeah. yeah. Not melts. He very like suddenly just breaks down and bursts like a water balloon that you overfilled <laughs> on the operating table. Which is a horrifying concept. <laughs> Again, Cronenbergian horrors this week. Yeah, we're we're getting into some dark stuff, but to bring it back to the light thing, I think it's just the right mix of fierce and cute in yeah. terms of Vaporeon. Once you get past that like little hidden lore in the fact that it can uh, that it will potentially melt, a thing we've never actually seen in the games other than the Pokedex. Yeah, so we've because never it's written by twelve year olds. <laughs> yeah, not in the show, not in anything else. It's something that we came across when we were doing the research for this episode, but. Darling, what color is the shiny? I, sorry, I just like when you say do the research as if we've you know, been going through the Encyclopedia Britannica <laughs> and the New England Journal of Medicine. Oh, no, I'm sorry. No, it's just Bulbapedia. It's no, Bulbapedia no, 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 no. hang on. Way. Darling is downplaying. He and I have a special research library that we go to. We <laughs> climb those like old-timey library ladders <laughs> to get the dusty tomes from the top shelf. <laughs> we are not allowed to check them out. We are only allowed to read them under observation. <laughs> That's where we're getting all this research from. But yeah, so so purple shiny. Yes. <laughs> we're going to have an interesting Joker parallel 
I mean, we've gone down so many tangents today, but yeah, that's the show, really. That is the show. The show is 80% tangents at this point. Um, I'm just going to come come right out and say I am not excited for the Joker movie. I think it's a bunch of bullshit, and yeah. I'm opposed to it in concept and every other form. Uh, how do you feel, Christy? <laughs> <laughs> now Sorry. the blue is giving a muted you know, reaction. I, uh, I don't care. Like, I, I, I mean, like, okay, so I saw, I went to... Speaking of the draft house, I went to see uh, Dark Knight. Uh, I think it was, oh shit, the twenty, the tenth anniversary showing last Ooh, year. Yeah, that's like in seventy out. millimeter. It was gorgeous. Ooh. It was perfect. It is still just a completely airtight movie. Like there, there is literally nothing I would change. Yeah, there's about no it. fat to it. Surprisingly, I think the one thing I change yeah. is the delivery of that one guy who yells, "No more dead cops!" Oh, see, I kind of like that. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I just want a like. It's I want very a earnest. Bit yeah. Of, like. Part of why I like that, like part of why I enjoy watching Batman Begins more than I enjoy watching The Dark Knight is Batman Begins was a bit more levity, but hmm. that's that is a totally different discussion. At any rate, the Joker not interested, not interested in a new Joker, yeah. not interested in a Batman movie without Batman in it. Like I just no, I have I mean no I'd interest be in it whatsoever. I'd be down for like a Gotham Central type series where Batman's on the fringes and it's about what. You know, Gordon's cops do to deal with all of these crazy well, supervillains, but yeah, I, mean, I think that was the proper like framework. What Gotham was supposed to be, right? And yeah. Now it's just like some like camp fantasy of some kind. We're like, just constantly like elbow nudging, like, "Hey, this guy is named Enigma, and he likes <laughs> riddles." <laughs> <laughs> what were the Riddler's parents expecting when they named him Edward Enigma? Really? Oh, you think that's bad? There's a the guy who's like. There's some deep cut guy who, uh, like he's got some kind of rainbow based power, and his name is Roy G. Bivolo. Yeah, <laughs> One of the sure, worst of DC so characters of them all. Um, hang on. So, what are you saying with regards to the fact that I plan on naming my first child Hulla? Hullabaloo. What should That's I expect? <laughs> a frat boy, I think. Or like a 1960s music program host. And so are all of Kanye West's children going to be villains? <laughs> no, St. West. St. West is going to be, you know, great. I mean, St. West is straight up going to start a cult a la Jared Leto. There's the Joker full circle for you there. Um. I used to have a Joker tuxedo t-shirt, and I'm sad that I got rid of it every day. Aw, Oh, yeah, no, I really want, like, an obnoxiously colored... That's, like, on the list of extravagant items. Like, if I suddenly became, like, a millionaire, like, what would I start spending money pointlessly on? Extravagantly, garishly colored coattail suits. Yeah. Like... Yeah, no, that's fair. I, I like that the classic Joker's just running around in a zoot suit. I think that's cool. Yeah. Well, I, I rewatched Dumb and Dumber recently, and that scene where they oh, buy, like, the orange yeah, and blue suits. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just like... As a kid, I was just like, what crazy colors? And now as an adult, I'm like, awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Speaking of purple, though, I need to bring up some NBA news that we found out the other day. Uh, Dwight Howard of the Los Angeles Lakers, for now, uh, has a purple SUV. And the reason why he picked a purple color for his SUV is because of Thanos. And his exact reasoning, which I'm going to pull up momentarily, is just incredible. Uh, he said that he picked Thanos, quote, or he picked purple because, quote, I got this purple car because of Thanos from the Avengers. Yeah, he's my favorite character. He was able to understand that in order for him to complete his mission, which I just want to point out, his mission was to kill half of the universe. Uh, his mission was genocide. Yeah. 
So in order to... There's got to be a different word for that. Genocide is... Somehow feels too small for what Thanos was trying to do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah. So in order for him to complete his mission, he had to get rid of his emotions, and that's the hardest thing that we all face. That's Dwight Howard's reasoning for getting a purple SUV. And because I realized that the Venn diagram between <laughs> avid Pokemon fans and NBA fans might be a little narrow of an overlap, uh, Dwight Howard is historically known around the NBA as a clown of a player. Like, he has generally been dinged by every team he has been on for not being serious enough, not being dedicated enough. And this is the guy who's saying, you need to be emotionless. <laughs> Allegedly, when he was traded from the Atlanta Hawks, his former teammates started cheering when they heard the news. I'm trying to think. Of, imagine if Brooklyn Nine-Nine... Darling, yeah. I know you watch. Imagine if Jake Peralta said what Dwight Howard said. You need to be emotionless. <laughs> you need to be serious and driven yeah. to achieve. But Peralta is at least like a good cop. Yeah, I'm not saying you can't be good, but yeah. I'm just saying imagine if Jake Peralta yeah. were making the advocacy for like emotionless, <laughs> cold, driven. <laughs> so yeah, so that's the explanation for what I'm calling Dwight Howard's genocide mobile. Is it also, like, the same shade as Thanos was in the movies? Like the It's a little bit of, deeper like, of a purple. Like, soft purple? Because, like, okay, purple's my favorite color, but specifically, like, matte, like, dark. Oh, crazy. My like favorite color's purple, too. Yeah, I go for, like, more of a royal dark purple, too. Yeah, yeah I think it's... I was yeah. trying to show my hand to the camera, because, like... I the listeners appreciate it. I, try, I guarantee you. <laughs> I think yeah, it was closer. Everyone, will, everyone can see this. This is really this is an audio medium is a great place to talk about what your nails look like. Um, <laughs> I'll add the anyway. particular shade of purple that we just saw to in the link in the show notes. It'll just be like yeah. a literal <laughs> JPEG of like a purple square. I think yeah, it's don't, closer. Don't post a photo of my actual hands. I wouldn't like that. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's closer to being like comics. Thanos purple, but even a little darker than that. Oh no, it's much darker. Yeah. That's not it's as like Grimace bad purple. as what I was visualizing, yeah. which was yeah. like kind of a gray babe situation. <laughs> I was actually just about to say, it's the a purple that babe. Joker wears typically, like the suit Joker wears. Yeah. That's the, it's yeah. the purple you'd picture, picture yeah. that being. Yeah. To kind of go to the other side of the Joker color schema, uh, we have Jolteon shiny, but let we'll get to that. It's yeah. a green shiny, I'll just dive right into that, but let's talk about Jolteon. So, yeah, oh, we'll just Quick mythology note on Vaporeon. Okay. It's probably based on the Merlion, the national mascot of Singapore, which, as the name suggests, is a fish with a lion's head. And because it kind of looks like a dogfish, I have in Pokemon Go a Vaporeon named Dogfish Head, like the brewery out of Rhode <laughs> Island. Hmm. Yeah. All right, so Jolteon, it's electric. And it is spiky. Yeah, I think one thing that we kind of glossed over in terms of the uh, evolution thing is that you get each evolution usually with some form of a stone, so these do not evolve by leveling. Yeah. Especially in the first generation, you either need a water, thunder, or a uh, firestone. Fire. Mm-hmm. Um, later on, you have to evolve them under certain conditions, like day, night, friendship levels, and such and such, or like leaf something stones. Off. Uh, no, not leaf stone. Like it's in with you know the later ones, uh, leafion and glaceon. It's they need to be near a certain thing in the environment, oh, basically. Okay. We'll get to that soon. But yeah, so just to point out that all of these Pokemon, you're not going to find them. You're going to evolve them by having the specific stone and making a choice and action in the game, just to clarify. And again, so, you only get one in the original game. So that being said, Jolteon 
is and was my favorite of the three to evolve to. Um, I love the design. I love electric typing in general, like in terms of like, hey, which types do you really like? Fire. And I would have my Charmander. <laughs> and then when I got my Eevee, I would want to get another cool electric type. So mm-hmm. Jolteon. Um, yeah, Christy, you picked Jolteon as well. Any reason? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm also, I, I am also fond of electric type. And I think Jolteon just has some of the most fun character design like uh, particularly of the evolutions like i i just think i think it's the most fun to look at like it's like kind of spiky and weird in in contrast with evie being so soft and and cuddly looking i like that yeah it's more it's more aesthetic level than anything else yeah what's interesting is the original design that we saw like in the original artwork looks more angular and spiky but over the last 20 years it's changed and looks more kind of like it's got that fur Whereas I always mm-hmm. thought it had more needled fur uh, in the original design. Yeah, I mean, I always just kind of considered it that it was basically Eevee with an unhealthy amount of static electricity <laughs> built up on its fur. Yeah, yeah. It even has, like, the same breakdown of the color scheme where, like, you still have the white ruffled neck. Like I said, the template elements mm. of the any Eeveelution design. And they'll take that template uh, down. Jolteon is my favorite of this original three-batch. Fun fact for the show, for listeners of the show and people who were here with us back when we had the original logo, uh, a red microphone logo for the podcast, um, there was an Umbreon hidden in that logo because that was deep lore, but that is because Umbreon, I'll say flat out, is my favorite (laughs) of the Eeveelutions and the Eevee family is my favorite Pokemon family. So that's why there is no rage anywhere in my voice today. You'll probably notice that I'm speaking in a uh, baritone as opposed to a high-pitched tenor of rage. <laughs> I'm glad we got a scale now. Yeah, I used to, I used to I used to be a singer of sorts, so that's why I know my ranges. Uh, we're so used to the Pokédex having ridiculous statistics for some of these Pokemon, like Arcanine can travel around the world in a day, more or less. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jolteon, pretty humble, honestly. Uh, the deck says that its lightning bolts are 10,000 volts, whereas a real lightning bolt is usually about a billion. Yeah, 10,000 volts is generally what you'd use for, like, CIA torture. Um, you know, you well, can we cause... Found our mon- it seems, I mean, it seems mild in yeah. contrast, We right? found our Mons world now. Yeah, it's generally the upper limit of what you can use to potentially cause cardiac arrest without guaranteeing death on a human target, but... Why do you know that? Come on. I was just going to ask that. <laughs> And now we just gained another follower of the podcast, the FBI. (laughs) Five years from now, I'm going to hear about the Pokemon killer and I'll know. I'll just know. You know, the funny thing is, is that I actually don't know that. It's just that if you say something confidently enough. (laughs) God damn it. (laughs) But 10,000 volts is honestly not really that high of a voltage. Uh, Um, And we're going to run into, but we will run into one of the other evolutions shortly that'll have... A pretty high thing but i do i just generally love this i think it's a simple design in terms of like literally i'm like they just took evie and they just added static electricity to its fur they made bart simpson yeah it looks like it could run out like into this into a scene on the simpsons but it's human colored which would be weird a human colored <laughs> dog <laughs> in that universe i like that it's got some coyote in it and it's probably based on the raiju a mythical japanese beast uh, a Thunder Beast, rather. And we've got a bunch of other electric Pokemon inspired by the Raiju, uh, including, as the name suggests, Raichu, mm-hmm. and the legendary beast Raikou. Yeah. I mean, I. 
it's weird. I always feel bad about this whenever I have so little to say because I love a Pokemon, but that's really all I have to say. I just love this Pokemon. It's a good problem. Christy, Christy anything you, you love it too? Yeah. I'm just a fan. Uh, a, I, don't have a, I don't have any like searing commentary on it because I just like it a lot. <laughs> I, think it I think it really says something about discourse in this day and age that like we talk less about the things we love <laughs> than the things that yeah. make us mad. <laughs> well, I mean, I think... If we were getting paid, it's more the opposite sometimes, because, like, you know, there was that whole incident where Lana Del Rey started getting angry at a music critic who was actually being critical rather than just celebratory. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. I didn't hear about that whole Lana Del Rey thing, and I figured Lana, I would have expected Lana Del Rey to be one of those people to just kind of take criticism as uh, is. Apparently not. Hmm. Go figure. I've never really gotten into her music. She is the latest in a, in a long line of people this year being very upset like musicians specifically because lizzo was also mad at critics really briefly huh. even though li like critics are pretty like united on the lizzo front of her being extremely good it's, it's strange yeah huh. yeah i mean people always kind of expect i know one of the perennial things is that you expect pitchfork is either going to love or hate you and 90 yes. percent of the time they're going to hate you hmm. but yeah, I mean, artists and their relationships with critics has always been kind of an interesting thing. My stance and something that I trained myself in early on with being a writer is the fact that I just kind of take, if somebody hates something I produce, I'm at least going to try to take it as a positive that they were spurred to a strong emotion, so long as they don't hate it for the wrong reason. Like, you know, I have a famously one of my first novels that I ever self-published uh, about a, a girl in high school um, a friend of mine just hates the main character, and I'm like, why do you hate her? And he's like, because she's so unsure of herself. I'm like, well, there you go. That's, I'm like, that's kind of high school. I understand you were like a star water polo player. <laughs> I don't expect you to identify with this person so good. <laughs> Flareon. It's a fire type, as the name suggests. It is also an Asian bunny rabbit named Bum Bum. <laughs> I love Which that. is surprisingly, this is the second time we've had a bunny rabbit for my mother to name. Do you remember what she named Scor Scorkip? Uh, uh, Scorpy? Yeah. Scorpy? No, wait. What? Yeah, I'm Score Bunny. There Score Bunny, there yeah. we go. Uh, no, I'm blanking, but it was something that was very rabbity. Like, yeah, she yeah. made it totally obvious, and I totally went with it because I was like, there are only three Pokemon. There's no way I can possibly fool you on this yeah. one. Point being, Baloo, I really want you, if you get Sword or Shield, to do a playthrough where you have your mom name every Pokemon that's in your team? I have confirmed this, folks. I will live tweet, and I will literally send my mom... I'll just make it a thread on the Mon Men Pod account <laughs> for you guys to follow if you just want to, like, bookmark that thread or whatever. When I, Sword and Shield comes out, I will do a playthrough that is just my mom naming my Pokemon Yay. for me. Fun fact, I did have my mom recently ask... So, is there anything I can read to learn more about Pokemon so I can be more useful for this? But yeah, so as for Bum Bum, um, speaking to the sort of temperature thing uh, or the realistic ratings of things. So, Bum Bum is able to spit flames at a temperature of 3,000 degrees, which is the same temperature as lava. Which is actually a little bit more dangerous than Jolteon's 10,000 volt uh electricity strikes yeah because according to you and your serial killer research you can survive <laughs> the 10,000 volts i don't think anyone can survive 3,000 fahrenheit no you cannot approach even like exposed magma once it is even cooled to a certain amount of temperature like hmm. above the surface of the earth without protective gear 3,000 
degrees Fahrenheit is problematic as fuck, as the kids say. Uh, so I do want to reference something that I said mistakenly on the podcast to keep from being fake news and misinformation as a podcast, which is... I have Like when you talked about what... I'm not letting this go. When you talked about what voltage people could survive... Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I immediately corrected myself. So I'm correcting myself now, episodes later, because I know I have referenced in the past, I think it might have been the Magmar episode and maybe on another prior Fire Pokemon episode, but I talked about the uh, possibility of igniting the atmosphere, like hmm. reaching a temperature so hot that you could actually ignite the Earth's atmosphere and basically set fire to the entire planet by way of igniting the oxygen in the atmosphere. Um, I did some research... So that is a concept that has been discussed among scientists very seriously, but it's old science that has since been debunked. Uh. This was back in the 1930s. I Now that I think about it, I was reading about like different people that were involved in the Manhattan Project and the invention of the atom bomb. They were worried that setting off the atom bomb would actually raise temperatures in the atmosphere so high that it would ignite all the oxygen in the atmosphere. Oh, God, that's a plot point in Plan 9 from Outer Space. It's hilarious. So the problem... <laughs> So, to quell the fears of any listeners that might be worrying about nuclear testing or anything like that, or the fact that somehow these other atom bombs that we've already set off in the atmosphere haven't done that, um, it turns out that while atom bombs do hit a temperature that could ignite oxygen, if it were pure oxygen, purely densely packed, uh, in our actual atmosphere, temperatures of even 100 million degrees centigrade, which is what a fission reaction causes, cool way too quickly. To ignite, to ignite the atmosphere. So there's oh. no risk of that. Oh, that's... So let's quell that panic. <laughs> We're not causing an H.G. Wells radio-style uh, War of the World-style panic. For those of you that have listened to past I episodes... Mean, Orson Wells was the one responsible based on H.G. Wells, but yeah. Well, there you go. I was giving yeah. credit to the author. The performer is merely the medium and the conduit for the message, my friend. Well, I mean, he was the adapter, <laughs> but... Thank you, Christy. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, <laughs> I like the time talking about talking about and on, on, on your Pokemon podcast. I will absolutely take corrections where they are necessary, but I intentionally <laughs> reference the author. <laughs> I'm just saying the one that caused the panic was Orson. But he couldn't have cut. Co- okay. He couldn't have caused yeah. the panic without the source material. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Christy. Uh. Um, continuing along, so there's an interesting bit. So there's an interesting bit uh, for those of you that like, regardless of that correction of myself and everything like that. The whole story behind the study and science and invention that leads to the atom bomb, very interesting reading. I strongly recommend you guys look into it. But to bring us back to Flareon. Oh, yeah, that thing. So it's time to talk about (laughs) one of my favorite things that has ever happened online. Twitch plays Pokemon. Christy, did you follow this back in 2014? No. Oh. So the short version is that someone set up a Twitch stream that was playing Pokemon Red. But the concept was... That you, the viewer, could play this version of Pokemon by just entering A, B, start, select, up, down, left, right in the Twitch chat. So everyone who was involved in this Twitch chat was submitting what they wanted to press. Which meant that it turned into total chaos in the best way. Like, Pokemon got absurd nicknames that were just weird combinations of A's, B's, and other characters. (laughs) Uh, There was a... Somehow they caught a Zapdos. Somehow they beat the game. It was impressive. Uh, but one of the m- key moments of the mythology that was built around this, and I do mean mythology because people started creating shit posts 
and like explanation for all of the chaos that happened. We'll get to this in the next episode a little bit. Like uh, the player would frequently wind up going into the items and going down to the helix fossil, and so the idea was that they were consulting their god, the helix fossil, for advice. Of course, then it would just be Oak saying, "This isn't the time to use that." Uh, but one of the key pieces of the mythos was that they needed a Vaporeon so they could surf. But something went wrong, and they accidentally bought a Firestone and then used the Firestone on their Eevee and got a Flareon instead. So Flareon became the false prophet, the demon, <laughs> kind of the demon god, mm -hmm. the devil figure of this whole Twitch Plays Pokemon mythology. Uh, so whenever something goes wrong, it was the influence of the false prophet Flareon. Uh, which is really, in the eyes of ridiculous hardcore Pokemon fans, kind of shaded what Flareon means in the general lore. Mm -hmm. uh, to the point where, I don't know if it was intentional or not, but the way we knew Bill Nye's character in Detective Pikachu <laughs> was a bad guy. What does he evolve his Eevee into? Flareon. Flareon. I rest my case. It's fantastic. <laughs> I love the depth of that because I really want to believe that given what we've heard about the news of how in touch with the players, with, you know, the community and stuff like that, the developers, designers and stuff like that, and the Pokemon movie seem to be, you know, that doesn't seem arbitrary. They had 800 Pokemon to choose from. And they chose to have an Eevee that evolves into Flareon. Exactly. Yeah. They could have gone way more like, even within Eevee, they could have gone way less subtle and been like, it's Umbreon. an Eevee. Yeah, that goes into an Umbreon. It becomes a dark Pokemon. But no, they decided, hey, it becomes this Pokemon that true fans will know <laughs> is a letdown. Yeah. Have you guys already discussed on the show how into Pokemon Bill Nye got? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. We love bringing it up. We brought it up on a bonus cast. We did a bonus spoiler cast for Detective Pikachu. But, um, but please, please. What? Oh, no, it's pretty much all I want to talk about all the time. Yeah, do like, it. Uh, okay, so um, we'll just tie it back. There's a there's a really good thin crust place a couple couple doors down from me. Well, like two blocks over from me. And you usually like have to go put your name in and then wait an hour. So I will just go home after I've put my name in and then go <laughs> back. And uh, there's a pretty great roof deck on my building. So uh, recently I had three, like I was up there drinking wine with three friends waiting for our place at Pete's place. And one of them said, hey, we watched Detective Pikachu. Have you heard Bill Nye buys tapestries of Pokemon now? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I immediately needed to know everything. He apparently... So one of them read an article out loud to me and did a pretty good Bill Nye impression nice. talking about the ancient Mew. And I just, <laughs> like, the way he uses the phrase the ancient Mew to describe Mew consistently when he talks about Pokemon is just so beautiful. That's great. That's great. God, one of my favorite, I one of my favorite Bill Nye moments, aside from him saying Mewtwo in Detective Pikachu, is in Hot Fuzz, oh. like the opening scene where Simon Pegg is like, re like refuting his being reassigned to the countryside, and they keep calling up the ranks, and then just as soon as they say, "You really want me to call the commissioner with this," and Bill Nye's already at the door, <laughs> yeah, like defeating the bit. But no. yeah, it's just the most Bill Nye moment when he says like, "Yes, I can," and he does like that little like <laughs> lip thing. Yeah. I can't possibly replicate it. This is the most Bill Nye thing ever. It's so true. Um, yeah. But yeah, I love Bill Nye. If you guys haven't seen Hot Fuzz, see it. I mean, there's a whole bunch of Bill Nye movies we could list off, but we basically don't have the time. 
you could make like a watch list out of Bill Nye's IMD filmography and you would hit, love every single thing. He's got a great track record. Mm. Um, and he improves everything he's in too, even if it's just for a few minutes. Yeah. Um, like in Hot Fuzz. Yeah. All I've got else to say about Flareon is that it's shiny is kind of the worst of these because it only gets like kind of a lighter red orange. Yeah. Yeah. Christy, you got any closing thoughts on Flareon? I have almost no opinions on Flareon, sad to say. Like, yeah. of the evolutions, is I think it's one of the less interesting ones. Although now, with, like, the, this whole concept, this whole false profit concept, I might have to rethink that. It's at least intriguing, but in terms of design, it's definitely the least interesting. Yeah, um, it's, I think it's the one that, if Eevee only had one evolution, this seems like the logical step for it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we've talked about the Pokemon as they exist in their universe. Let's talk about them Here in comes Bill Nye. our universe. Welcome to Mon's World. A celebration of the harmony between humans and Pokemon. This is my Darling, please leave us off. I think Eevees and their evolution should just make great pets. Uh, Ditto, though, would be used as a stunt Pokemon in movies like the anime's Pokemon in Love. Christy, what do you think these Pokemon would be doing in our world, or any of these Pokemon, what do you think they might be doing in our world, or how would they be in our world, based on the lore we've discussed? See, I feel like I'm going to curve off both of you in this case, because I just want one as a pet, and that is all I think that, like, that's the purpose. Like, I'm imagining one of these dog parks, mm-hmm. <laughs> in, a, in, like, in, in bigger cities, where it's like a sanctuary, particularly for small dogs. And just like like lots of Eevees running loose, like kind of like chasing like chasing the same ball and that sort of thing. Just imagine that. Imagine Aww. how good that would be. So I have a very close real world comparison for you, which is that up until about a year and a half ago, I lived in the South Bay of LA, and I used to go on weekends to the Redondo Beach Dog Park. I discovered this about three years ago. I have a dog that has been running around out of sight of your camera except right there there was at one point in the like between the two of you you're perfectly yeah. framed and it was really good but i couldn't say anything about it at the time. <laughs> yeah she's a she's a semi-regular we mention her from time to time and you probably heard her barking at one point um but mm-hmm. i discovered that at the redondo beach bog, dog park near me there's a ritual on saturday for corgi owners to meet up specifically at 9 a.m oh my god so I want you all to picture the joy I would have. I love my dog, but I do not love my dog more than 30-plus corgis running around all at once. Just corgis. And corgis of every different color. Not just the standard, you know, tan, white, little bit of black model. Some of them were just pure black. Some of them were black and white. Every possible color of corgi. And some of them were husky, sable, gray, and stuff like that. It was just a dream. Wow. Adorable. Um, so yeah. that but Eevees. So that but Eevees is what I'm challenging you to imagine is... I'm just like, because I'm thinking Eevee, like if we're getting like into the granular dog breeds, it's kind of a cross between a Pomeranian and a Welsh Corgi, and I'm really into this idea. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to agree with you. I think Eevee is 100% pet Pokemon day, but I'm going to take this to a dark place after that Uh-oh. gift of Corgi Eevee dog park day. I don't like where this is going. And I'm going to say that because they mentioned that Vaporeon potentially melts into water, Vaporeon would be the easiest to dispose of if your pet were to pass away. Holy shit. That's a curse. You said it to a lake up north. Yeah, I'm no, not even. I'm just thinking of like goldfish going down the toilet. You just put your Vaporeon in the toilet long enough, 
put the cover over it and then it just is very flushable. <laughs> you so do not sad. have to, you do not have to bury that Vaporeon in the backyard. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that's my whole Mon's world. Let's move on to how we would change this Pokemon to improve them. Welcome to Mon Mods. Christy, if you could make one change to any of the Pokemon, and I think given the fact that we have Ditto, but a bunch of Eevees, it's a little bit weird today in terms of how this might be applied, but what would you change if you could change anything? You can add a new type, so you could add a new Evolution if you wanted. I'll be completely honest, that's where I'm going. <laughs> I think, because I think, yeah, I'm thinking about a ghost type. Because it's like, what would you change Ditto to that then wouldn't be... I was also be... thinking yeah, I would really change Ditto's eyes to be squares instead of circles. Ah, I like that. <laughs> I like that. Because <laughs> think about how unnerving that would be if already the circles are terrible. If they're even less like human eyes or animal eyes. Or just like, give me Ditto for every equivalent emoji that you have. So you have like heart eyes, star oh, eyes. Oh. Terrifying. Oh, I hate that too. Oh. Give me a give me a ditto emoji <laughs> set. How bad that could be our God, I hate that too. That's accurate. <laughs> All right. So you do you want to stick with just the squares or the full ditto yeah, yeah, ditto emoji right. set? And, and I and the square the squares I think would be most unnerving, especially if it if it could blink. Just think, just saying, like, Terrifying. Like, See, yeah. when I when it blinks, I'm just picturing the squares flattening to straight lines and then yeah, exactly. and then They open back up again, and then you're looking at it, and it's still as horrifying as it ever was. So you're trying to discern: am I looking at a square eyelid, or am I looking at a pupil that is actually flattening? Right, because the dots don't really do much at all, right? But the squares would have movement to them. I think this is a good idea. Oh my god. Yeah, because you found a way to make the unnerving part about Ditto, which is the fact that you have these blank beady eyes that are just ever present <laughs> and you found a way to make them squares oh and make them more unnerving congratulations i've broken the podcast <laughs> two episodes ago we call we called that episode lovecraft's favorite mon i think we may have already been proven wrong in that title congratulations <laughs> oh another retraction on this wow. episode darling what would you change um oh i'm just gonna add an evolution here i'd love a flying evolution that kind of draws inspiration from winged lions mm. uh what i don't want however is a bug evolution because that also sounds like a lovecraftian nightmare oh my god yeah i mean that's the only type that i don't think would work as an evolution sorry you just inspired you don't a want to see a bug with like really oversized eyes and kind of a cute little muzzle mouth and then a bug body oh <laughs> like google here if you're listening, uh, Google bug evolution, and you will see fan art that people create, and it's all horrifying because it all looks like someone created something that is half bug, half like fox dog. See, I haven't Googled that yet, so I'm going to say that I could picture a version of a bug evolution that is very cute. The problem I have with that is that if you were to... I'm just thinking of, I'm a huge fan of the Jeff Goldblum movie, The Fly, which is a remake mm -hmm. of oh god of a I think it's a 1960s horror film but I want to point out Jeff Goldblum's The Fly is Cronenberg. Yes, it is fantastic. Yeah, it all comes full circle. Yep. But so given Jeff like referencing Jeff Goldblum's transformation of the fly, I'm just literally picturing rather than the Pokemon anime flash of light you know ball of light changes shape and becomes the Pokemon I pictured Evie morphing oh. into the fly, a la Jeff Goldblum turning into the fly in that movie. Ugh. And that's horrifying. I could picture a cute result to that evolution. 
But the transformation is what terrifies me. Yeah, the Brundle Eevee. Ooh. All right, so my... You created it, buddy. So my version is... So my Mon Mod today is simpler and much less terrifying, surprisingly enough. <laughs> um, I did spec... I didn't bring this up during the EV section early on, but I do... You know, I mentioned the fact that I predict that for this generation of Sword and Shield, there should be at least one new evolution. Um, some possible some possible evolutions, I think, would be Steelion and Spectreon. So, like, a Steel version or a Ghost version, Spectreon. Um, Spectreon's then, a really good name. Yeah. Thank I you. I feel like it wouldn't be Steelion. There must be some, like... Because they never use the actual type. But Yeah, I guess so. But I love the idea. Um, Titanion. Ooh, that is good. That's um, good. Hey, you Thank named you. something good. Thank you. <laughs> um, but, and then I also speculated, like, the most unexpected type would be a dragon type. And I also did mm. say on previous episodes that I think given the English background and lore that a drag that, like, we haven't seen dragon types yet for, given the history of English lore. No, and, we haven't in this gen um, yet. So I think, like, Wyvarion would be a good dragon type Eevee. So that's so those are kind of my three predictions. If I had to go with which one I think is most likely, I would go with Spectreon. And I think Yeah. And so the reason why I'm not only gonna go with this not just as the most likely, but I think there's a potential for a really interesting in game lore thing with this, which is that so we've seen it as a bit of a running thing in multiple games where you meet somebody that has an Eevee they want to trade you. What if they set that up the same way, where you reach this mansion and you meet the person that you that says, "I have an Eevee that I don't think I can take care of anymore," and then the next line of dialogue on the next prompt is, "And it died." I feel like that would be a little too dark for them, but I like where your head's at. Well, you know, the person like we know Pokemon die. We've had Lavender Town and the Pokemon Graveyard Tower Mausoleum since hmm. uh, since Gen One, so I don't think that's crossing lines that we haven't. Like, it's not like the Pokemon was murdered or anything like that. Pokemon <laughs> passed away. And this guy thinks his Pokemon is dead, but he's like, hey, but I keep hearing these noises. I think I'm being haunted. I'm ready to move. And then it turns out that it's actually his Eevee that evolved into a Spectreon. Hmm. Um, I think that would be a cool twist on something that we've already seen established for, what, eight generations now in terms of Pokemon lore. Um, so I want Spectreon. That's my Mon Mon for the All day. Right. All right. I dig it. I dig it. All right. So to close us off and bring us home, Mr. Darling, what is my favorite section of this podcast <laughs> uh, i believe it is mon appetit if you'd like my personal crack my desk mm -hmm. <sighs> all right so this is the section where we close off with discussing which pokemon of the day we would eat and how we would like it prepared christy which one of these guys would you eat ditto it's just gelatin <laughs> yeah is it yeah. like a, the yeah, next like answer. dessert. Just put it, just put it, jello. just put it in a bowl and just. I'm gonna. Yeah, go, yeah. You freeze it. You put it in the fridge and. See, I was mm. I. All right. Yeah. Further thoughts on frozen ditto. No, no, just okay. uh, like yeah, in the fridge, not not too like not too cold, not not like too left uh, on a buffet table at like Golden Corral for too long, <laughs> like just the right temperature of Jello. Okay. That's it. All right little whipped cream on top i could see it no oh no. imagine okay. here's the here's the no so i'm gonna i want to preface i have a very similar thought i went with ditto for the most edible pokemon of the day but i do want to preface that i just had one terrifying thought occur to me which is that if ditto mimics dna of other creatures it sees or comes in contact with 
imagine for a second be terrified with me of the fact that what if an inert dead ditto that has been converted to a parfait or a ditto jello does not have control over that ability and as it touches your mouth while you're eating it it absorbs your dna and turns into you oh i i, I did not expect this to things, be the horror I was show really, episode. really sure about that but i don't like that idea at all i hadn't thought of that either until just now but i'm going to commit to my original mon appetite idea which is i want not just ditto parfait and jello i actually thought how cool would it be if you had like a ditto concept restaurant <laughs> where all of the meals are ditto based, but it's also ditto in various stages of conversion to other meats. So you had like, you could order, you could look on the menu and it could be like, okay, I want either 100%, 50%, 75% or 0% ditto of ditto duck with stick, ditto Toros, ditto you know, Blaziken, and you could get, you know, duck with stick confit. You could get Toros flank steak in various percentages. But it's so you could all ditto. So it is a ditto, but you're killing the ditto and freezing it in transition when it's like 50% Toros as opposed to 90% Toros. So you're killing it at a very specific point. The real question point. here is if you kill a ditto, what does. Does it go back to its base form, or does it die in the form? I think of... it just stops where it okay. is. That's what I'm assuming. Is that like, like? It's like soft shell crab, like you know how they prep that, <laughs> or like because because what you're describing reminds me both of soft shell crab and of uh, why can I uh, like any kind of pate, like. Mm. I don't know. Like it I'm just, great. I'm don't just thinking that if you kill it during its transformation, it stops at that percentage of transformation. So like you get like a half ditto, half toros, where like the meat might be, like you said, somewhat gelatinous, and maybe you get like the ditto gelatin kind of creating like an interesting marbling on the flank steak. Huh. Um, the duck confit, <laughs> you get like an interesting like fat to like marinade the duck meat in and stuff like that, like. That could be very interesting, like much more so than like traditional duck fat. You know, when we were playing this episode, I didn't think that the Eevee episode of all of them would be the one that got incredibly dark. No, neither did I, but here we are. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm just going to bring it home now. Vaporeon is its own surf and turf. Ooh. That's all I got to say, really. All right. Well, that about wraps that up. <laughs> uh, yeah. Christy, anything you'd like to plug? Where can people find you? Before I say anything else, I'm heartbroken. I haven't been able to just say Michael really dispassionately. Oh. I didn't have the right opportunity for a pun. Enough yeah. terrible things. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I uh, I write. Sometimes I write. Um, I uh, you can look me up on Twitter at Admiral Christie, and I'll probably have some links to some stuff I've been writing lately. I just started a tiny letter, but I wrote the first one literally last night, so maybe that's not ready to be promoted. Yet. Oh, I love uh, that and though. I'm covering a uh, New York Comic Con for Nerdist last month or last month, next month. So, <laughs> so check that out when well, it happens. Tell us a little bit about the tiny letter because I love this concept that you're doing. Oh, okay. Uh, so it's basically just me writing New York Times vows, uh, columns about people who don't exist. Uh, <laughs> the first one is about the host of a podcast who meets a woman who works at a start uh, startup that specializes in seltzer called Fizzle. <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. That sounds about yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, the, I think the podcast is called Wait Really Me Too or something like that. I don't <laughs> yes. know. I, it was kind of a fever dream writing it because I've been thinking about this for weeks and I just sat down and did it last night. And the nice thing about Tiny Letter is no one has to read it. <laughs> I mean, it's very much like electable. I feel like it's a pure form of engaging readership because you can be sure that the people that are clicking through are genuinely interested and want to read it and are right. following it for a reason. So. Yeah, well, I look forward to more faux vows, tiny letter. Okay, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, you can also, actually, yeah, I have a link on my Twitter, and if I don't yet, then I will put one there after this episode. Yay. All right. Yep. Mr. Well, Darling, what have you got going on of late? Uh... <laughs> I interviewed the organist for the Dodgers the other day, so look Very for that cool. on LA Taco sometime soon. Awesome. There you go. I plugged my actual work. You hey, I am proud. I'm glad you actually feel comfortable <laughs> sharing whomst you are on this podcast. Uh, oh, as... I don't exist when the lights go off. I just exist on your iPod or whatever other device you're listening to. The minute you hit pause, I just... Fair enough. Michael Darling is himself. He comes out of a pocket universe for this podcast. I, on the other hand, I exist in this... You have to say my u- name backwards to make me go... No, I have to say my name backwards to go home. Yeah, the thing that dri- that should drive listeners truly insane is that I actually exist in this universe 24-7. That's where all my crazy, disgusting, terrifying ideas come from, is from you all. You all are the true source of horror. Um, which is to say that you can follow that horror on my Twitter, which is at Y underscore blue, W-H-Y underscore blue, B-A-L-L-O-O. Um, I've got my writing projects going on and artist interview series on Optional Irony. Um, I've got an audiobook for the novel that I wrote and released last year coming out soon, but that Drawful the Awful, which is uh, if you want to hear me do more terrible accents than I did in this episode, that audiobook <laughs> is going to be your shit. Yeah, and you can find me on Twitter at Future Hasbin. And if you want more pictures of Cordelia, follow me in t- individually, but if you just want Pokemon takes and news, at MonmenPod. Yeah, um, check it out. But that being said, uh, we survived another episode. Thank you, Christy, for tolerating all the Cronenbergian horror. Oh, you're, you're so very welcome. You're great. We're going to have you back sometime. But that being said, I am Yonato Ballou. I was Michael Darling. Oh, I'm Christy Admiral. Thanks for being here. I'm on a boat. I'm on a boat. Everybody look at me because I'm sailing on a boat. I'm on a boat. I'm on a boat. Take a good hard look at the motherfucking boat. Don't you ever forget I'm on a boat